once again, and welcome to In the Finest Hour, a 40k competitive podcast about improving your skills and abilities in about an hour. I am your host from the center, Sean Morgan, sometimes known as Abuse Puppy, and I have on my left hand here, Shaylin Allen, the good podcast host. Greetings. And on my right, Joshua Death, the evil podcast host. Good evening. So I think the subject at this point on everyone's mind is LVO. Like, how can it be anything but? Uh, yeah, that's that's a sigh of pleasure and anticipation, right? That's a sigh of looking forward to my next mental breakdown. Go, oh, yeah, that's kind of a thing at tournaments, huh? Uh, not really. I don't usually have breakdowns at most majors and stuff. Like, I don't get it at SoCal. I don't get them at BAO. LVO is so overwhelming that... Even with all of the tricks I have with my autism, I can't win. Well, I mean, LVO is more than twice as big as SoCal and BAO put together. So yeah. probably that has something to do with it. Oh, it does. Like, the sheer volume in the room. If you're a normal person, you're probably going to want earplugs. Yeah, it's it's loud. It's, it's overwhelming. I, like, I'm bringing flashcards this year that just say the words, like, assault and crap, because I want to scream myself hoarse. I'm not kidding. I'm just, I'm just imagining those old-timey uh, ship-mounted blinkers that they would use to send Morse code between ships. I'm just seeing Shaylin with one of those, you know, clickety-click-click-click-click-click-click-click-click-click-click-click-click-click. <laughs> I do not know enough Morse code for that to be accurate. Yes. I'm sure it wasn't. I don't know Morse code either. Um... LVO, like, it's a big thing for a lot of people, and I think we are all just about done with preparations and getting ready and list finagling and all those little things. Although, this year is kind of interesting. All the LVO lists have to be turned in almost two weeks early. Uh, yeah, no, uh, by the time this episode will have conveniently aired, you'll have actually been able to see them on BCP. Yes, um, all the lists should have been submitted, uh, almost a week ago at this point, mm-hmm. um, which definitely lends a little bit different kind of air to the whole thing, I think. I was, I was thinking about it, and some people were like, well, everyone's lists are locked in, so it doesn't matter. And it's like, well, it still does matter, though, uh, because you get to look at what everyone's lists do and discuss and theorize over them for, again, almost two full weeks after they've all been submitted. And that does really change the way uh, you, you examine things and understand them. The theory hammer will be real. It will. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to have a lot of people bringing some very interesting lists. There's Because there's going to be, you know, almost 900 people there. So um, that is that is quite a lot of different lists to comb through. But there's going to be those big names that's like everyone's going to be eager to see what they brought. Uh, mm-hmm. And some of those off-kilter folks. I'm, I'm, I myself am very curious to see what it is Sean Naden does. And I'm sure it includes some witches and the Avatar, but the specifics matter. <laughs> or maybe he's just running Lictor Shame to shame you again. It seems unlikely, but you know, I've never put it past that guy. <laughs> if there's anyone out there who's going to bring what I don't expect, it's definitely Sean Naden. <laughs> Another thing I will warn people who are going to LVO is that you are going to want to eat good food because it's really easy to eat junk crap in Vegas. Yeah. And you do not feel good if you do that to yourself. Yeah, there, there's there's a whole lot of tournament tips that we'll probably give at some point about like how to make it through an event like that. But yeah, to, like treat yourself okay that weekend because you're going to be abusing your body pretty bad. Oh, yeah. You're going to want a salad. It will actually be tasty. Mm-hmm. Lay off the strippers and the cocaine for at least one weekend. <laughs> but that's the best weekend to get both of those things. That's the problem. <laughs> I see. I see. Honestly, one of the things I'm actually looking forward to looking at, with 900 people showing up at this tournament, you know, previously we've been in the couple hundreds, or even like last year there was like, what, 400 something or almost 500? Yeah, it was a bit in there. One of one of my thoughts is we're at the point now. I mean, nine nine hundred people—that is a lot of people. Yeah. And I wonder if at this point, with this vast number of people showing up, if there's actually going to be any truly unique lists at this tournament. I think you know what I mean by that. Mm-hmm. By uh, in that, you know, it's not like obviously this this 
this guy's running a list with this person's is slightly variance. No, no, it's it's the concept, right? It's you have this concept of a list. You have this idea of the the Eldar Dark Reaper jet bike combo list or whatever you want to call it, or the orc horde list or or the orc battle wagon list or whatever. There's these different concepts, these frameworks of lists out there. And so my question is, if there's my th- my thought, curiosity is, are there going to be any really truly unique ideas, concepts in showing up in here where there's like one person with this one just completely left field list that no one else brought and somehow is doing really well with. That's what I want to see. I want to be that person. (laughs) (laughs) But I think we will see at least a few concepts that come out of LVO as things that people have kind of been tuning up and working towards that are maybe, make, maybe not a breakout per se, but are going to get a little bit of notice. Um, They're going to have your, their uh, debut. Yeah, especially right after chapter approved like this and the release of a couple of codices, like we're seeing some new options open up, and some of these underused factions, your Admech, your Necrons, your Space Marines, etc., I think you're going to see some people bring versions of these lists that are fairly new. There will probably be some pretty original stuff there, although I don't think, like, we know what all the units and all the codices are, so it's not going to, like, completely blow us away. Yeah, right. (laughs) Well, that is uh, a pretty good start on uh, another subject that I think is really important to talk this time, which is target priority. Ah, yes. Because we've been talking a lot about how do you, you know, analyzing lists and weird lists your opponent bring, but that all really comes back around to target priority. Knowing what to attack in your enemy's list and when and how. Yes. Uh, And what questions to ask if you're not familiar with their army. Absolutely. That helps you learn that. Right. Um, I imagine we are going to have an episode on uh, reading an army list at some point, as Mm -hmm. well as the sort of research you should be doing for the game. Uh, But that is a little bit different of a subject. Um, We're presuming here that you know what everything in your opponent's list does which may or not be true in reality, but you at least understand what things are and what they need to do. You're working from complete information here, is Mm -hmm. our presumption for this episode. Um, So, if we take that as a starting point, let's ask the the big question, the the question you have to start with, what is target priority? Josh, you want to go? Yeah, I want to hear what Josh's definition for this is. What is my definition of target priority? Target priority is the decision process an individual has to go through in determining the order and decision of which units they will engage when and with how much. Mm-hmm. I think that's actually a really solid definition. That, that hits basically every important point. Yes, um, it does. I think that like that definition sounds very technical and like may come off as a little bit whoa, but like at, at the simplest level, target priority is really easy. Target priority is I choose do thing now, <laughs> um, and but the whys and hows, understanding those is really important to a list because even if you make the right target priority decisions, you want to know why you're making them. That's yes. that explicit knowledge helps improve your knowledge, your ability to play the game correctly. So I'm going to actually put the advice at the beginning of this episode, uh-huh. unlike the end like I usually do. The advice is record the target priority decisions you made and their results. Mm-hmm. That's how you're going to improve it. Yeah, because that, that's something we've, we've talked a little bit before. I know that's one of our tips in a previous episode was like write things down. And like when you make a decision, note it down, and then after the game, look at it and say, how did that work out for me? Mm-hmm. But if you're someone who struggles with target priority, start taking data, basically. Sure. So look at this whole discussion with the idea of, I'm going to take data on this, and I'm going to measure what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And, and something I think is also very important to this discussion is most people, when they hear target priority, think, oh, yeah, that's what Tau lists need to worry about. Ah, no. It's All not, lists do. Yes. Target priority is for everyone, because it's both your shooting and your assaults and your psychic. Um, yeah. No list can afford to just ignore the opponent. 
that's not doable for any army in the game. It just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. You have to interact with the enemy army, and you have to get rid of their threats. Now, some lists want to get rid of more threats than others. Tau lists prefer to get rid of everything, because everything is a threat to the Tau. <laughs> a single Space Marine will kick seven Fire Warriors to death, given the chance, uh, <laughs> and probably take a Riptide down, too, if you let him. But um, all armies, to some degree, need to understand target priority. Yes. Yes. You know, it's really easy to define target priority and the ability to engage the enemy and the ability to, in, in, in any of those phases. But target priority isn't just the enemy. It's also, remember, that the, it's the objectives. It's what is the purpose of me being here. Because mm -hmm. sometimes that is the target priority. The target priority is, do I kill those guys over there or do I get that objective there? And at that point, you're having to make a decision. Yes. And that is no different than choosing, do I kill A or B? So, a way I look at target priority is, we talk about, we've talked about before, solutions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? And problems. And looking at, breaking down a game into problems and solutions. Well, yeah. target priority is the solution. You are solving problems in target priority. I, I would actually even take that a step further. I think that target priority is the problem and the solution and the goal because those are your three prongs yeah You're, you have the problem which is the units the enemy has their targets mm -hmm. the solution are the ways you have of killing that your guns your melee weapons your psychic powers and your objective your goal are the literal objectives of the game the way you score victory points mm -hmm. so would you be able to say then target priority is the equation it yes. basically is yes um and it's a really complex equation, uh, because let's be clear here, for as simple a concept as target priority is, it's absolutely fundamental to the game and involves every single aspect of everything you do. Yeah. Your uh, movement, your psychic powers, your shooting, your assaults, all of that is part of target priority. Mm-hmm. Your deployment. Your deployment, yeah. Literally, it starts when your opponent hands you the list and doesn't end until the end of until the game's over. Yep. Yeah. So this is a big subject because it plays into every phase, but at the same time, I think it's a subject that can be broken down into bite-sized chunks. Yeah. Uh, and I would say that those three chunks—the problem, the solution, the goal—are mm -hmm. the three main pieces of target priority that you need to think about. Mm-hmm. So let, let's start with identifying your threats. Uh, because I think this is also kind of like, if you think about target priority, it really is a matter of identifying threats and how to deal with them. Exactly. So well, where do you start? So the place I start is when I've built my list and my army, when I've done so, I've selected solutions that army has. Mm -hmm. It just has some solutions built into it. Sure. I play Grey Knights, so I have anti-infantry solutions up the wazoo. So that's, that's an example of something I just always will have to lean back on, is that solution space. So when I look at my opponent's list, I look at my solutions, and I start looking at problems they can solve. That's, okay. that's a start, is like, okay, where can I apply my solutions? And then I look at things that cause me problems. Yeah. Because we talked about earlier how there are the types of units, the Guardsman chassis, the Space Marine chassis... The kind of mid-tier auger and chassis, the tanks and the knights. So if they have solutions that counter my types of units, I need to start looking at those objects in a, can I solve those problems faster? That's actually a really good thing. Uh, target priority goes both ways. Mm -hmm. Isn't that a similar concept to exactly what you we were just talking about in our previous episode? Uh, where actually it was both you guys when you guys were talking about those tournaments you went up to in the the Mugu area where there was like oh yeah yeah a third of the field were knight players and you even made the comment that if you had one or two options either you brought a list knowing that you were probably going to have to deal with these so knowing that this is a a very potent, strong potential. These these types of targets are going to be there. Mm -hmm. So what did you do? Even all the way back to, just like you're saying, the list building stage, you're putting stuff in to deal with these potential threats. You're, you're identifying those threats before they're even there. Yes. Yeah, target priority starts at the list building stage. Like when Shay Lin said it starts when your opponent hands you your list, well, it actually starts about a week or two earlier than that. 
Um, Probably a month earlier if you're me. <laughs> or more, depending on how long you've been playing a list. But the <laughs> it does really start at that stage of building an army. And then when you get to the table, then you have kind of the next phase of it, where mm-hmm. you look at like, okay, what does my opponent have in my list? Uh, and this is actually another point that Shay Lin has brought up a number of times that I think is really critical, is you, you start building a plan. Yeah. And, and this is just fundamental to playing 40k. My army has a plan. Its plan is blank. It's it's a style of play it favors. If everything's optimal, that's what it does, and it does it quite well. So I look at that plan, and I look at my opponent's army, and identify what their plan is. What, No matter what opponent, what is their army trying to do? Like, a Nurgle list is just going to endure and shove forward. A Orc list is going to get up in my face and want to assault me. A Talus is going to want to hang back and shoot me. Those are things that they want to do as part of their plan. So how do you take that plan into target priority? How, do, how does the, you know, I know my opponent's Nurgleist wants to move forward. How do you turn that into target priority? The way they get there is they're going to use psychic powers to keep their units alive longer. Okay. They're going to buff it with characters like Typhus. To kind of keep the if they're using pox walkers for example, that's kind of sure, how that, sure. those work. I'm just assuming this in this example. So one of the things I can do in target priority is be like, if I can nuke Typhus and the caster somehow, I can stop that army with my bullets regular style. So you you look for essentially weak points in their yeah. army. What 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 key pieces can I take out to break their plan? Exactly. Um, and that's how my ar- how elite armies work is they find these weak points and they break them and then that's how, that's how things fall apart. Sure. And I play elite armies, so that's how I look at it mechanically. Josh, do you have anything you want to add to that? Actually, that one pretty well hit it right on the solid for me. Okay. Because um, I was going to say a horde army might say, well, I'm going to just screen those back by pushing myself forward faster than them, so the box workers don't have anywhere to go. Uh, but let's let's bring this back to target priority. Uh, because, you know, the, the, your game plan is not necessarily the same as target priority. It evolves out of it, but they're certainly distinct concepts. Yes. True. I think when I look at target priority, you know, obviously you look at what is my opponent's game plan, what is my game plan, how do they interact? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that interaction is one of the very key points. Uh, because as a shooting player, this is often kind of where I live, basically. Um, and I say... What guns do I have? Or what melee weapons do I have? Mm-hmm. What targets does my opponent have? How do those interact with each other? Mm-hmm. Um, do I have the right kind of firepower to be hurting everything they have? And do I have targets that are resilient to their firepower? Because, as we already mentioned, target priority goes both directions. Mm-hmm. So, if I've got a single land raider, because I'm apparently stupid, mm-hmm. um... And my opponent has a Castellan, I know what their target priority is there. They're going to kill that thing, and there's nothing I'm going to be able to do about it. Yes. But if I have 100 Orcs and my opponent has a Castellan, I know that their target priority is blunted. They don't have the right guns to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to look for those focal points where you can potentially tip the balance of the battle. Um is that Land Raider of mine important? Did I load a bunch of Terminators into it and I'm expecting to be able to assault things out of it? If so, then I need to find some way to either keep my Land Raider alive or kill their Castellan. Yep. Yes. Um, and that's what you're looking for, is these tipping points in the battle where I can change what happens by doing this thing. Yes. Typically by shooting... Psychicking or assaulting a particular unit or units, and that's where I always start my target priority. Mm-hmm. And the way I look about it is, when I've determined what my target priority is, is I just make a mental list: that, 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 dead, need yes. to be dead now. And, and this is where your game plan becomes the turn-by-turn plan, where yes. you say, "All right, it's turn one. I have to kill his flyer." Yes. Uh, I can't allow that to just like grind up all my infantry or deliver whatever unit is inside it or whatever whatever thing that unit is doing. Mm-hmm. But if you identify that that flyer is a problem, 
that becomes your target priority. That's mm -hmm. how your game plan translates into a turn plan, which in turn translates into the target priority itself. Yes. If you feel threatened by something your opponent has on the table, mm -hmm. that unit is a target priority exactly. for you. That's a really simple way to determine if it is or isn't for you. Is that thing threatening your army? Yes or no? Uh, and, and as part of that, is that th thing threatening my army this turn? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Is it, is it an immediate threat or a long-term threat? Mm -hmm. Yes, because some units might not be a threat until later in the game. Um, those Alaris Custodian Terminators that are kind of like wandering across the field on foot, they're not a threat right now, but they will be on turn four. Yes. Also, there's the, the other side of that coin is you also have to look at your ability, because it, again, just kind of going back to what they have, also look at looking at what you have, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, you have to look at your ability to answer that threat, your ability to address that target priority. A uh, prime example you brought up was the Castellan. Mm -hmm. You know, if, I, if my opponent has a Castellan and I have no long-range shooting in my army, I'm running a Chaos army or whatever, and I have no long-range shooting, and there is no realistic way that I'm going to get within two feet of that Castellan for at least three turns, then during the first three turns... That Castellan's not even in my mind when it comes to prior target priority. I just I shut it out. It's gone. Yeah. Because there's nothing I can do to address it, so I'm not going to waste mental energy on it. I'm going to focus on what can I address. Yes. Yes. That's very important. Think about what you can potentially do, mm -hmm. uh, because the things you can't do, you shouldn't worry about. Yeah, um, yeah. Back to the Poxwalker example. What I would do there is I would set myself up to insert a Smash Captain in behind his Poxwalker line and rip Typhus to pieces. Sure. But if you don't have a Smash Captain in your list, if you have no way to jump over his Poxwalkers, don't worry about killing Typhus. You can't. Yeah. It won't happen. Yep. So yeah. don't don't think of Typhus as part of your Tiger priority because you can't get rid of him. That's, that's very important to that whole thing. Um, and kind of riffing on what Josh had said there... Also think about which of the opponent's units are going to be an answer to your units. Exactly. Um, if my opponent has a Smash Captain and I've got a Riptide, then I know that I can't let that guy charge the Riptide. Mm -hmm. That guy becomes extremely high priority because I know that he is my opponent's best solution to my Riptide. Mm -hmm. um, especially if he's got that whole like no overwatch, rerolls charges, wears flying shoes, and a million other things. Um, that guy is a problem, and I have to be understanding of that fact. I think another thing that we've kind of glossed over a little bit, but how resilient are your opponent's threats? Shaylin yes. has been talking about that big block of poxwalkers, but a block of poxwalkers fully buffed? is not going anywhere, almost no matter how many guns you point at it. Yeah. Uh, one of the most reliable ways I kill that is with psychic powers, because mortal wounds will chew well, it up. Sure, but, I mean, even then, they've still got that 5-up invuln, they've got the ability to add new models to the squad. Uh, often what I do is, if it's not going anywhere, either stop it from moving. Yes. That is a form of dealing, of solving the problem, is yep. like turning it off. Yep. Yes. Um, no. All right. Well, I'm going to throw you three ends of scouts in here, and that's just going to stay there for a couple turns, and in the meanwhile, I can do something else. Target priority can be more than just killing. It can be locking a unit down and preventing it from being able to do anything. That's one of the reasons I actually am a big fan of Howling Banshees. Yep. They don't kill anything, but they're great at stopping key units for doing things for just those one or two turns that you need. Uh, or the witches they yes. are that can like people from falling back yep witches have the ability to... yep they're just a speed bump unit yeah so uh think about you know what you can kill and what you can't kill but also other ways of answering things um mitch pelham actually came up with a very clever idea when he ran the the detachment of three librarians mm -hmm. of the, the space wolf the dark angel and the, the regular space marine one and he just stack all the minus one hit to powers on units and that answers a Castellan. It doesn't kill it at all, but if it's hitting on sixes, who cares? Yeah, that Castellan isn't doing anything. Um, so, th yeah, think about all of the ways you can answer your opponent's units, either by locking them down, by killing them, by assaulting them, by using psychic powers, whatever it may be. And, and sometimes the answer is just jumping from terrain piece to terrain piece. A Castellan can't shoot what it can't see. Sure. Uh, although that's not target priority, per se. That's defending your own units. 
all of these points that we've kind of just hit on right here, you know, that are kind of expressing the whole target priority being more than just choosing a unit to kill and when, all of this goes back to an overarching premise that we have hit on many, many times in these in these episodes, and that is the tempo. Mm-hmm. Yes. That is where you're trying. That, that is what the purpose of this target priority is right here. Where you're, when you're choosing to engage or not to engage, when you're choosing where to engage or not to engage, when you're choosing what units are an issue or not an issue, all of these are based off of your ability to control the tempo of the game. Choose where that engagement happens, when it happens, and you win versus your opponent. Prime example: the Smash Captain against your Riptide. Mm-hmm. If he gets to choose the terms of when that smash tapped and hits your line, it's a very bad thing for you because he's controlling the flow of the tempo. (laughs) But if you get to make the choice of when that smash captain engages your line, now you're controlling that tempo. And that is your idea there. That is your, that's your priority is, is how do I get him in a position where I can deal with that? Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's essentially the goal here is to build tempo, among other things. You're also building unit advantage and all this sort of thing. But tempo is certainly a major component of it. Oh, yeah. Um, some other things to consider when you are uh, looking at your target priority. Uh, what kind of defensive abilities and stratagems does my opponent have? Yes. Especially the reactive ones are very critical here. Yes. Vect. Uh, Vect, I was actually thinking like lightning, lightning fast reflexes or uh, rotate ion shields. These sort of are uh, grot shields is another big one. These defensive abilities. Unending green tide. Yes. Uh, those are all huge when you're, because like if you know your opponent has three command points and hasn't used unending green tide, you can't leave a unit of orcs at five boys. You got to do something. Yes. One of my personal favorites that I caught Josh off guard with way a while back was True Silver Armor. Classic. Sure. <laughs> uh, that that five-up save uh, against all the, the mortal wounds will make a big difference if you're trying to smite down a vehicle. That's one of the things I like about Sisters is they've got a lot of those built in with Acts of Faith, actually. Yes. Um, so, like, when you're thinking about target priority and how resilient units are and what you're, what you're trying to kill and what you're going to be able to kill... Think about what your opponent can do, because they're not just going to sit there and take it. They're going to do everything in their power to pull models in the right order, to activate stratagems and whatnot in order to keep their stuff alive, because they don't want it to die. Uh, the Tau Commander ability of, you're minus one. Yep, Neuroweb Jammer. There's a lot of armies out there that have some sort of defensive ability, and you need to be aware of those when you're figuring out where you're pointing your guns and offensive abilities at. Mm-hmm. I think the the last big point that I would hit on this list of when you're trying to identify target priority and like what do I shoot and when do I shoot it, think about what is what is going to be true this turn that is not true on other turns. Mm-hmm. If your opponent fails a, a psychic power that they would normally use to defend one of their units, their fortune or sanctuary or something like that, mm-hmm. this may be your only chance to kill that unit. And that should absolutely factor into your target priority. Mm-hmm. I've had games where Magnus comes in fully buffed. I ignore him that turn. Next turn, I, I in Psychic Denial phase, target his defensive buffs, shut them down, because I have decided now is the time to kill Magnus. Exactly. Uh, picking your opportunity is very huge for this sort of thing. Um, and, and it can even be other things other than that. It can be that unit is, is out in the open this turn. Just my opponent moved it over to a position where I can shoot at it, or it's in line of sight of more of my guns than it has been on other turns. Mm-hmm. These are all opportunities as well, and all of those should be part of your target priority calculation. Mm-hmm. Or they fail to charge. <laughs> that very much one. If you you're, they thought they were going to get that charge off and they didn't, you probably have a really good chance to get rid of a unit that you didn't think was going to be engageable this turn. Oh yeah, no, I've lost many a unit to a failed charge. It happens. Well, I think we've covered sort of the generalities of how do you identify target priority? How do you start ranking things? So why don't we take a quick little visit over to our illustrious quartermaster, and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about how your target priority can change in the course of a game.
there, Wargamers. Are you looking to do conversion of your dreams, but just can't find the right bits? Probably because they don't exist? Gaiman with a top hat? Magnus with a pimp cane? Mortarian playing chess? Well, those dreams can become reality with Vrita Forge, a design and 3D printing studio that can make the bits you've always wanted to happen, happen. Vrita Forge can be found through Facebook, that's V-R-E-D-A, F-O-R-G-E, like Forge Worlds. Contact her, and she can design custom bits, parts, in any number you desire, from one to a million. Verita Forge. Make all of your wargaming bits dreams come true. And we are back. So we were talking a little bit about how your target priority changes over the course of a game, uh, which I think is something a lot of people don't really realize, because it absolutely, it, it has to shift in between uh, sections of a game. You can't just leave it the same the whole time when you look at that list to when you sit down at the table. Um, oh, yeah. No, well, like... As we mentioned before, there's opportunities that rise unexpectedly. Yep. There are units that you assessed initially incorrectly, realized were not the targets you thought they were, and then you had to recalculate. Mm -hmm. That is totally something that happens. And one of the, the prime examples of this is that I know something that Shaylin has enc encountered a number of times is the the order of your phases in which units are in range to act on things. Oh, Yeah. Um, I have screwed myself over in the psychic phase more times than I have count. Yeah, because you, 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 you pop all your units in, everybody's in rapid-fire range, and you're ready to just tear a unit apart, and then you cast a couple of smites, and oops, you're not in rapid-fire range anymore. Or in range at all in one case. That was super that, awesome. That can happen. Uh, you can smite your, your opponent, can carefully remove casualties, and oh, look, now they're out of line of sight. Now I can't shoot them at all. Yep. You, like, you need to keep in mind not just what your opponent's going to do and all these sort of things, but how you are going to act over the course of a game and what is going to happen as a result of that. If you're, if you're intending to cast some spells and then shoot someone and then assault them, you need to realize that like your shooting hopefully has some effect on the enemy um, and changes their board position a little bit, and you need to be ready for that. Have a plan, but also like know your own plan. Don't get caught off guard by yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's that's silly. Uh, another thing to remember here is I've psyched myself out of good shooting. I've also psyched myself out of good assaults. Yep. It's not like you can't just affect the assault phase just because it's a little further away. Mm -hmm. um, nine inches. Oh, look, I shot the one model off that was nine inches away. Now I have to roll a ten-inch charge. That's really harder. Yes, uh, and that, that'll happen to a lot of armies that have shooting and assault in them, or psychic and assault. Mm -hmm. um, so kind of be aware of your own plan and what you're doing there. So have a have an idea if things go wrong. Are you counting on a power working? Right. You better commit to that. You better activate a strategy if you really need it to go off. Well, and that actually plays into uh, another point that I think is very critical. When you build that plan for the turn, you need to be ready for it to be not quite exactly what you want, because dice never do exactly what you want. Ever. Not ever. Uh, have options for yourself. When you build your target priority, look at, okay, I've got these five units in range of these two units, mm -hmm. but this other one is only in range of one of those two units. Mm -hmm. So that's the one you shoot first. That should absolutely be the one you shoot first. Exactly. Um, because, like, if you shoot yourself out of range, that unit won't get to shoot at all. Um, kind of as Shaylin had already said with, like, psychic powers, because you can shoot yourself out of shooting range, too. Mm -hmm. um, and assault yourself out of assault range, block yourself off, because you can't jump over things anymore. Yes. Um, like, you'll, again, be prepared for your own plan. Don't get caught off guard by the things you do. 
A, a small reminder here is at the beginning of the turn, you remind yourself the plan, and at the beginning of each phase, you remind yourself your plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to add that uh, there's there's a lot of nuances. I mean, as obviously as, as you guys go through, as the listeners and players go through, and they start to really kind of master the, the concepts of the target priority and how it works in the movement phase and the shooting and the psychic and the assault, um, you, you will start to see them pop up in, in areas that you really didn't think ahead of time or you didn't think they were there, but they are. Mm-hmm. A prime example, and I know, uh, uh, Sean, you run Tau a lot, so I know you're very well aware of this. Um, in the charge phase, a lot of people don't think the target priority would be mattered in the charge phase. Oh, yeah. But the reason why 8th edition has all you declare all of your charges separately is because the priority of when, where, and how you receive Overwatch matters. Mm-hmm. It's super important. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's I mean that's huge. I've seen whole games lost on a, a an army not declaring charges in the right order against a Tau army or a Guard army or so on and so forth. Yep. And in the same breath, now in Eighth Edition, more than ever before, also you have the issue of in the assault phase. It's not just I got to kill this unit, and this unit, and this unit, but now in this edition, the order in which I activate my units is massively important. You know, if I'm just wanting to stop a, a counter-interrupt, or I'm even wanting to stop a potential pile-in move, mm-hmm. um, those types of things. And so as, as you guys start to develop your abilities and you start to really hone the, the nuances of being able to target priority and choose when, where, and how you engage, you're going to start to see these other instances of target priority popping up in your games, like in the charge phase, even in the the choosing order of fight phase, or so on and so forth. <laughs> and you're going to realize that those principles, even though it's it's something you're not used to because you're not used to the charge phase, it, if you're if you keep falling back to these same concepts that we've laid out here, then... It, then those same principles, those same equations, the same formula that we've that you guys have, that we've spelled out is going to apply there as well. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, even though it's a new instance or something you're not used to, you can fall back on that. I'm actually really glad Josh brought up the the fight phase uh, mm-hmm. and the picking order of units to fight because that's actually a really good example. And in some ways simplifies it down, because the shooting phase target priority is very complicated because units can shoot in any order, and they all have different range weapons and all of this sort of thing. But the charge phase is kind of like a pared-down version of that where you can look at it in microcosm. Yes. Um, yeah. And I can't count the number of times where I've seen someone activate the wrong unit first and pay for it. Yes. And there's, especially if you're playing against, like, say, Slanesh, which can counteract oh, yeah. on you. There's a one Slanesh player I keep playing for some silly reason. Uh, but every time when his and my armies finally hit the charges and start doing it, I have to be super careful about what I'm activating because he's going to get a counteract. Yes. Um, to, to sort of, like, take an example, say if you were... You charge into the enemy with a smash captain uh, that you send into their HQ and a unit of, like, ten marines that you send into a squad of boys. It absolutely matters which of those guys you activate first because the orc player is going to pay those two command points to interrupt you. Mm -hmm. And if you activate that smash captain first, and maybe you kill his HQ, great... But he's going to pay the command point to fight you back before he dies and maybe kill your Smash Captain. And then he's going to pay two more command points and activate that unit of 30 boys. And 30 boys will kill your Marines. You, yeah. So in that case, you have to look at it. Like, what happens if I activate this guy first? Okay, that's not good. Okay, what happens if you do it the other way around? Well, now you activate those, those 10 Marines first. They kill off, you know, hopefully, most of the squad of boys, since that was presumably why you sent them in there. Mm-hmm. Now he can activate. He can spend two command points to interrupt with his war boss and try and kill your smash captain. But then you'll just pay the command point to fight back before you die and kill him. And he's yeah. wasted two command points. Exactly. So this is the kind of thing you have to see. You need to look at what what order do I need to do things in for it to turn out the best for me. And it's very kind of combinatorial as you you look at like, okay, what happens if I do this? What happens if I do this? And hopefully you reach a point where you know innately, oh, I have to activate my unit of 10 Marines first. You don't even think about that. It's just, of course I activate the 10 Marines first. Mm -hmm. That's your eventual goal. Mm 
Um, yeah. But you only get to that by understanding exactly the set, the steps that lead you to, and that's why I must do it. You need to show your work before you can just write the answer down. Mm-hmm. Uh, a thing to note, note here is uh, knowing how durable your units really are. Yes. Because it's like five boys versus ten marines. That's, that's a very a, different thing. That's a very different thing. But you know that 30 boys versus 10 marines is not a favor. If the marines don't get a swing first, they're not going to win that fight. Yes. Well, that actually plays really well into another point I wanted to bring up, which Mm -hmm. is one we've emphasized a couple times before, and I think is really, really key to the game. Know your math. (laughs) Yep. Know your math. This is a game about math. Um, I know some people don't like hearing that, and some people will say, well, a good general, and a good general still has to deal with math. And yep. it's a, a good general will be a bad general, even if they both know their math. But you need to know your math. And you need to know the probabilities. Like, if you don't know how to calculate probabilities, I get it. Statistics is complicated and stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, there are programs out there that will do it for you. You don't need to know how the math happens, but you do need to know what the end result is. How likely are 30 boys to kill 10 Marines? Do you know offhand? Uh, you, you hopefully do. Um, hmm. And by the same token, if those 10 Marines are getting four attacks apiece and, say, hitting on threes, wounding on threes, how likely are they? How many boys are they going to kill on average? What's, what's the low-end ballpark? What's the, the 10% outlier there? Yeah. Um, knowing those the, the probabilities, not just the likely probability, what is most commonly going to occur, but also low and high end, how likely different results are. Um, yes. I, I see this all the time when people shoot like heavy weapons at tanks. And they say, you know, oh, I shot my four Laskins at the Rhino and I hardly did anything to it. It's like, well, what did you do? Well, I got three wounds on it. It's like, that's not that unlikely. Mm-hmm. That's about what you should have done. <laughs> it's you, you do you do about six wounds to a rhino with four las cannons on average. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people are just thinking like, well, you know, I should have done a lot more because he only saves on sixes and I hit on threes and I wound on threes. And it's like, yeah, well, that means only two of those wounds go through. Mm-hmm. Um, and not even that after saves. Mm-hmm. And then you have to roll your d6 damage and you, you know, maybe you only get one damage out of that. Mm-hmm. One damage is pretty likely as a result of four las cannons and a rhino. Yes. Uh, a, a thing to remember is, uh, this is something I remind myself, because it's easy for your mind to remember when you're above average. Yes. Your mind really likes reinforcing positive moments. Always be cynical. Expect the unit to fail. Yeah. Overcommit. Overcommit is really This good is something I use with my Grey Knights. So I'm using Storm Bolters. And I'm like, okay, statistically, it's going to take three Storm Bolters to kill this thing. I'm going to put one, maybe two more in there. Mm-hmm. Just because I'm counting on my Grey Knights rolling crappy. Well, and I think that's good advice in general. Not just because of rolling crappy, but you also... You, you need to look at what else you can do to that unit. If you only have one unit that can shoot at that thing... And you've got, say, five storm bolters in there that can aim at them. Mm-hmm. Maybe you shoot all five storm bolters, even if on average one of them kills him. Why? Because if you don't, then nothing else can deal with that guy. Mm-hmm. Yes. So my rule of thumb I use when I do when I do an overcommit is how much does does it feel right? Because I've gotten a feeling for the statistics now. Sure. And I add two, one if I'm scraping. And I, and I would say, well, rather than, like, add two, I would say add, like, say, 25 to 50%. Yeah. Uh, depending on how much of a threat it is. But this is this is part of your calculation. How much of a threat is that unit? Mm-hmm. If this is their, the enemy Farseer that you need to have dead so he does not doom something next turn... He's getting an entire strike squad shooting at him. Yep. In fact, I might even be willing to commit a Karai Master Dreadknight to the cause. Sure, just to make sure that guy goes down, because nothing is more awkward than seeing your opponent roll, like, five fours, and you're just like, well, I guess he's fine. <laughs> I've done that more than once. It'll happen, uh, and you need to be ready for both good and bad dice. Um, the flip side of that is, especially with shooting, if you have multiple units that can do a job, if if you have three strike squads in range of that Farseer, you don't need to commit everything from the first one. Mm-hmm. You can just throw a few of your guns, and maybe you get lucky and kill him, and those other guns do some work elsewhere. Yes. 
So, and how you break up your shots, because you can split fire with everything this edition. That's a big thing in 8th edition. Remember, you can split your shots, and don't undercommit, but don't overcommit. You don't, you don't need six LAS cannons to kill a rhino at one wound. Mm-hmm. Maybe just three or four will do it. So, a, a way to look at it is, uh, is also in kind of shooting order and such, is if you have redundancy built into your list, which you hopefully do on some level. We hope, yes. <laughs> uh, is you can be a little less cautious with your overcommitting initially because you'll have backups to cover if things fail. Yes. That is definitely a trick you can use. And probably should. Contingencies. Always have contingencies. Yes, you want to have several layers of contingencies for anything important. Because if you're leaning on a single one, you're probably in trouble. Yep. As Nadavati says, if it comes down to that one die roll failing, why did it get there? Exactly. Um, I think another thing that's really critical, and we, we, we glanced over this a little bit earlier, uh, sometimes not shooting is part of your target priority, or not assaulting. Or not psychicking. Yep. Um, Shaylin has used the example of you know putting yourself out of range with your psychic powers. If one smite is going to put you out of range, don't smite. Don't, don't do it. Um, but by you know sometimes you need to move units. You need to get onto those objectives because there is what I kind of think of as like the turn four turn. Mm-hmm. This turn four is where you stop needing to worry about what in your opponent's army can kill you so much because obviously they'll still try and shoot at you and kill you. But you need to really start worrying about being on those objectives for mm-hmm. either those final three terms of scoring or, if you're playing endgame objectives, the final turn of scoring, which is the only one you score on there. Mm-hmm. Turn four, if you are not changing your thinking to be about scoring points more than everything else, then I think you're making a mistake in most cases. Yes. As Josh said before the show, and he's certainly welcome to pop in on here, is sometimes your target isn't a threat, it's an objective holder. Yes, absolutely. It's not something that can kill you, it's something that's stopping you from winning. Very much so. Yeah, because at the end of the day, that's what this is all about. Um, Like, you do, eventually you want to score points, but the, the point is, if you kill off units earlier on, they matter more. Mm-hmm. That's why you're focused on killing in the early turns of the game, is because a unit that is dead on turn two does not get to shoot through at turns three, four, five, and six. Mm-hmm. Whereas a unit that dies on turn five only misses out on one turn of shooting at worst. Exactly. So that's why that's a thing to think about target priority is and and the tempo and all that other stuff is okay. How long do I want that engaged? Yeah. How how much time is left? Mm-hmm. How much time do I have to deal with this for? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you can, as Shaylin mentioned earlier, if you can delay that horde of poxwalkers for three turns in their deployment zone with scouts, well, you know, they only have three turns to get across the entire board. They're not going to do that. They're slow. Mm-hmm. They're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so things should shift in target priority a lot over the course of the game, not only as you get to objectives, but also as the things you're worried about change. Like, mm-hmm. oh, that unit can't get here in time. I don't care about them anymore. Yes. Um, that you know those unit that unit terminators off in a corner, they can't get to an objective by the end of turn six. They're dead. Mm-hmm. I don't care what they do. They can do. They can have all the hit points they want and run around shooting their storm bolters left and right. Doesn't matter to me at all. Mm-hmm. By the same token, like as we said, shift your your worries to scoring in those final turns. And also, I think another one that's really easy to forget: look at what you've lost. If yeah. your opponent has killed all of your vehicles, that Castellan doesn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. Or, it doesn't have any targets. Yeah, what's it going to shoot at? He says, oh no, you're going to kill off six guardsmen. Ooh. That's the game breaker. Right. <laughs> your, your target priority is going to need to shift as things die and as you kill things. Um, yes. If you have gotten rid of the enemy's heavy armor then you don't need to worry about them killing your Devastators. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not, not an issue anymore. They've already done their job. Mm-hmm. Um, it, or that said, uh, those Devastators are now like now have very different roles. Like, well, we don't need to shoot things. We don't have good targets anymore. Maybe we need sure. to jump on an objective instead. If those are your Devastators, maybe they do run down to the bottom of that building and climb onto an objective. 
Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is where your target priority needs to be constantly reassessed because at all times you need to be looking at what is going to stop my game plan from working and what is going to what is going to get me points and what is going to stop my opponent from getting points because that's really what you want is you need to figure out how you break their plan and how you make your plan work the the way i break it down is i sit there and i look at the mission what is the mission trying to make me do mm-hmm. i look at my solutions okay i got these solutions and then i look at my opponent's army and assess what is stopping me from achieving the mission mm-hmm. what is stopping me from surviving later yeah that is a great way to look at targets because you need things at the end of the game sometimes your targets are just basically i need to live how do i deal with that absolutely like we said at the beginning, kind of you have these problems, you have these solutions, you have these goals. So one of your goals is obviously have models remaining at the end of a game. That's why you need to kill those high threat units that can kill you. But you also need to look at like, well, I need to control that middle objective to win the game. That means I do have to stop those plague bearers or those pox walkers or the big squad of orc boys or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Do you have anything to add, Josh? No, actually, I was uh, just—I was literally just comment about to comment on what exactly what Sean just Sean just mentioned about the fact that you know going back to that beginning formula, that beginning equation that we kind of hinted on at the start of all this. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that's really that is what you look at. That you know, there's lots of ways to break it down, but those same three elements are going to be in all of them: the problem, the solution, and the goal. Yes. Exactly. And your job is to be better at solving your problems and achieving your goals than your opponent. Yeah, when you get right down to it, yeah. That's that's how you play 40k. Yep. That's how you do a lot of things. Well, yes. 40k is just one of the many, many things. It's the most important one. It's fine. In, in our opinion, certainly. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that pretty much wraps the subject up. Uh, hopefully we were sufficiently enlightening for everyone listening to this episode. If you do have any questions or comments, you thought we forgot something, or you want us to clarify a point a little bit, uh, free to pop in at our email address in the finest hour at gmail.com, mm-hmm. or hop on to our Facebook page where you can also ask us questions, or likewise in the finest hour. And if you're feeling super generous and you think we're doing a great job, then maybe you drop by our Patreon and throw a few bucks our way uh, for $5 a month you can get yourself in on our very private and elite Discord channel, as well as the Facebook group that we have for our supporters. Uh, And we do a lot of talking about lists, discussing different rules, stuff like that on there. So if you think that's something you'd be interested in, then go ahead and join us there. I I have a spoiler. Oh, yes? Laser beans. Hmm. I do like laser beans. (laughs) Wait, did you say laser beans or laser beans? Beans. Oh, laser beans are even better. <laughs> um, what kind of upcoming events do we all have? Uh, I know Shaylin has got something. Yes, I will be at the CK Studios uh, airbrushing class late in February 23rd and 24th up and in Portland, Oregon. Yeah, in Portland. Um, I, I won't be going to that one, unfortunately, because I have other commitments. Uh, but if you want to see Shaylin, maybe get some really good airbrush painting advice. I do know a great deal about color theory from my art degree, way more than most people should. Do you know if there are any spots still left open in that class? I have no idea. Oh, well, <laughs> worth looking up. I'm sure there's that's advertised I, I'm online. certain there's at least one person who's not going to make a day up. So Sounds likely. You can also email us. I don't know how to paint this contender dreadnought since uh, Grey Knights can't use them. So yeah, give please. us give us some advice on what kind of contender dreadnought. I'll let the listeners doing. decide what I'm doing with it. I don't know. I would love to see what they come up with. <laughs> Just rainbow warriors or howling banshees. I can't believe that's actually a chapter. Like, man, who picked that as a chapter name? Redundancy. Redundancy. Maybe I should paint it to look like Sean's face. <laughs> oh, that would be interesting. Josh, what do you got coming up? I've just got a couple uh, GTs coming up. I've got one on the weekend, uh, the weekend following LVO up in northern Canada. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the Barry Bash. Oh, yes. Where you are fated to bring Drew Kari, if I remember correctly. Yes. Uh, in honor of the, the best Dark Eldar player in the ITC, nigh the world... 
Yeah. Uh, Ridvin, Ridvin uh, from the Canadian ETC team, uh, as he so thoroughly trounced me at Capital City Bloodbath using Dark Eldar, I vowed to run Dark Eldar at the event that he is hosting, which is the Berry Bash at the end of February. Yeah, Skari is a fantastic player, got a really good podcast, uh, Scardcast. He, he just recently branched into doing battle reports, and... Uh, oh, really? Okay. Um, uh, actually, hobby, hobby videos as well. He's actually kind of been branching out and doing some really cool stuff. He's really kind of starting to grow up, so if anyone gets a chance, I'd definitely recommend going heading on over and giving him a giving him a look-see. He's, he's pretty good stuff. Besides, yeah. you can vote uh, to make him wear ridiculous costumes at tournaments. Yes. This is very important. Yes, I was just at that one. I was just at that one where he wore the gesture outfit, and it was amazing. <laughs> yes. Um, well, I think we'll round things out here with uh, some thanks to all of our sponsors. I'd like to say thanks to Dank Muse, who's provided the music for this episode and all of our other episodes, of course. Uh, you can find him on YouTube as well as on Spotify and Patreon and various other services. I'd like to thank Rylan Woodrow for being an artist and an awesome person. <laughs> does, does he have any sort of particular specific relationship to this podcast perhaps well he does our art oh yeah he does doesn't he he designed our logo made me look better yes he made me look better well I, he put you on fire which is awesome can't lose can't lose i mean we can do that too but it's kind of a one-time game <laughs> it's a it's a one-trick pony <laughs> Uh, but speaking of our amazing sponsors, if any of you out there would love to uh, have the opportunity to be one of our sponsors, please don't hesitate to reach out to us, and we'd love to fill you in on what some of those opportunities are and uh, what we what we have that we can, uh, where we're going forward and how we could use that support. Yeah. So please don't hesitate. Yeah. Get yourself a little bit of advertising time. Mm-hmm. All right, Shaylin, you got a list for us this week? I do. Give me half a set. All right. I I am eager to hear what Shaylin has picked out, because we always keep this a secret from each other right up until a point, so it's just as much an experience for us as it is for you. All right. This is a chaos list. Okay. Uh-oh. You have to wash your mouth out with chocolate after this? <laughs> uh, yes, actually, I will. <laughs> if, it's, if it's Nurgle, I wouldn't suggest chocolate. <laughs> uh, okay. It's one of those battle scribe uploads that's a little hard to read, so... Yeah. It's Thousand Suns Primary. That's okay. what I was trying to figure out. All Thousand right. Suns Primary, they've got two battalions, one of which is demons, and the other of which is renegades. Oh, okay. That's why I brought it up. There's renegades. That's, all right. Why don't, why don't you walk us through the, the, these right. detachments? We're going to start with the demons one because I can find it easiest. Yep. It's uh, Chaos Undivided. It's got a change caster and demon prince of chaos. The Changecaster has the Impossible Robe and is the Warlord. Okay. Uh, the Demon Prince of Chaos has the wings, he's corn, he's got a demonic axe. You know, uh, yes, u- that u- guy. U- usual uh, meat grinder of deathy death. Mm-hmm. The can opener. Uh, it's got a Bloodletter Bomb, a unit of Horrors, no reserve points, and one unit of Nurglings. How big are those uh, Bloodletters and Horrors? Horrors are thir- uh, they're both 30 strong, it looks like. Okay, so those are full-size bombs. Full-size bombs and uh, demonic icons on both Instrument of Chaos and the Blood Letters, obviously. Sure, all the usual toys. Uh, just three Nurglings. Yep. Uh, they Gotta are fill there. That slot. They have a job. Uh, the Thousand Suns Detachment has Aramon on a disc, mm-hmm. a Demon Prince of Zinch with the Malefic Talon and Wings, because, of course, you put Sure. Uh, a unit of ten cultists, a unit of... Two units of 30 Zangors. Okay. And that's that detachment. So right. it's not super heavy on the psychic smack there. No. Uh, and then we have the Chaos Renegades Battalion uh, with two Renegade Commanders and three 10-man Renegade Militant Groups. So basically the Loyal 32 of Chaos. Oh yeah, the Disloyal 32. Yeah. So that Triple Battalion, that's a lot of command points. Yeah, I know. Uh, this list was featured at the Glass City GT. It went four and one. Oh. And it was one of the few lists that was actually uploaded. Yeah, Glass City GT, shame on you. Upload those lists. Yeah, that was horrible. I, that's shame on the TO for not insisting well, on that. Well, yes. Um, we we know that many of those players would have uploaded their list because they have at other events. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, I thought it was interesting. It did quite well. And yeah. an unexpected twist. Yeah, it's got a nice little component there. 
so that will wrap up our show for today. Uh, if any of you are going to be at LVO, of course, all three of us will be there. We are looking forward to seeing any of you. Go ahead and call out to us and get our attention. I um, only ask if you go up. To, I am a hugger. I'm happy to hug you, but please tell me who you are before you hug me. I don't want to have another awkward like I did last year. Yeah. Yes. Uh, an introduction before a hug, I think, is the standard policy. Just uh, reminding uh, people what happened to me no. last year. It's really, really awkward, okay? It's a good reminder. We also have a special feature for next week, as uh, that Friday evening of LVO, after we've all finished our games, we're going to be staying at a Airbnb together, and we're going to record a in-person episode with all three of us in the same room, where we do our special hot take on LVO. So, uh, I hope you'll all be looking forward to that. I think it'll be really interesting to have all of us together talking about LVO fresh out of the gates with it. Um... Fair warning, we probably will be struggling with the audio a little bit there just due to the living situation and not having all our equipment. It's going to be a hot take. It's going to be fresh off the presses and uh, take what you can get, but we will still have our normal episode the Monday following that, so if you don't want to listen to the three of us ramble after having played 12 hours of Warhammer, then don't worry, we'll still have our usual format of episode. So, from Sean here in the center... Shailen on the left... Josh on the right. Thanks for listening.